0: what's happening guys sam adams here and welcome to a brand new episode of caffeinate today for june the 24th of 2019 of course if you are brand new to the show welcome on in and this is a live daily gaming news podcast hosted on twitch.tv slash samuel adams five days a week monday through friday at 7 a.m eastern time if you did want to catch up on the hottest gaming news of the day Now, normally, uh, we have a headliner that has to do with some kind of sales of some kind of game, or perhaps some layoffs, or perhaps a big new release, or something along those lines. But no, today, our headliner is much more significant than that, because GuardianCon has raised over $3.7 million for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And that, my friends, is something worth celebrating as a headliner story. So we'll talk more about the records that were broken, doctor lupo's block because that blew everyone's mind and overall the good that gaming can in fact do. Then we move on to talk about Crash Team Racing sitting at number 1 on the UK charts outdoing a lot of other big releases. Blizzard's global esports director has quit amid turmoil behind the scenes. Bungie has postponed Destiny 2 fixes to preserve work-life balance of the team. Unfortunately, We talk about Mixer Layoffs coming from Microsoft for the original content team members. Fortnite Season 10 is requiring a beefier graphics card for those that are still playing the worldwide Battle Royale sensation. We will talk more about what you need to ensure you can still dump on 12-year-old kids. And finally, Jeff Goldblum. That's all you need to know. That's a fine tease, I would say. But that's pretty much the lineup for today's show. Again, if you are brand new, welcome on in, And I do hope you enjoy today's program. But if you do, click that subscribe button on YouTube. If you do, follow on Twitch if you want the show live. Of course, you can find all of the content, reminders, and more on twitter.com slash prettychillguy. And of course, instagram.com slash samueladamsmedia for gaming discussions, news, clips of the show, whatever you need. It's right there on the good old IG. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's top stories, shall we? GuardianCon raises $3.7 million. Bungie breaks a record, but Dr. Lupo does better. Excuse me. Bungie raised $400,000 in just four hours as part of the annual GuardianCon charity marathon stream, shattering the Destiny developer's goal of 150 k and breaking the event's all-time record. But Fortnite streamer Dr. Lupo did even better. A massive thank you to add Bungie for a massive block during the GuardianCon Marathon. The largest block ever with $400,000 and counting raised for the kids of St. Jude, GuardianCon tweets. But... We'll talk more about Lupo in a moment. GuardianCon, which started as a Destiny-focused community meetup, has evolved into Florida's premier gaming convention, featuring a combination of in-person events with keynote speakers and new game previews, and a collection of Twitch streamers that seek to raise money for charity. This year, the donations will go to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, which focuses on treating the toughest childhood cancers and pediatric diseases. The goal of the event was to raise $3 million for the institution. Last year, streamer Dr. Lupo set a new record by raising more than 350 k during his streaming block. Bungie broke that record with the final total of $401,420.97. That was a weird way to say, over $400,000. The donations breached the $400,000 mark at the last minute just before Bungie's streaming block ended. But of course, they talk more about playing Destiny 2 Forsaken during their little block because of course, it's Bungie. What do you expect? And then they talked more about Shadowkeep, etc. But let's talk about Dr. Lupo. The final block of the show, the big shebang, the final countdown, so to speak. Dr. Lupo went on to break the record again during the same marathon, raising a whopping nine hundred and twenty thousand dollars in his four-hour streaming block, bringing the total amount raised by the Guardian Con charity marathon stream to three point seven million dollars. million, nearly $1 million in four hours. In fact, they went overtime, 30 minutes, one little small extension to ensure that as many people could donate as possible. It was insane to watch, absolutely exhilarating to see how good gaming can in fact do. Dr. Lupo's feet may be the most money raised in the shortest period of time for a gaming charity stream, according to Forbes. And so we have the finalization, the final total of Guardian Con 2019 to 3.7 million as it stands today. Now, of course, this is not the final number for the entire event itself there is still more money coming in and of course if you do want to learn more about the event if you want to learn more about the streaming marathon if you want to learn more about how you can donate you can go to guardiancon.co and that's all the info you need to know all over there on that one website but incredible to see, incredible to watch, of course. Uh, this is put together by the guys over at rairdrop.co. So Professor Broman, King Gathalion, uh, Kevin KMagic101, who's a Mixer streamer. There are tons of people behind the scenes that are making this happen and really just putting good back out into the world whenever they don't have to. You know, I think that's the biggest thing I want to highlight is that although uh, they are you know organizers behind the scenes and there are so many people across the entire gaming and streaming community making this thing happen, uh nobody has to do anything this is all just putting good back out into the world and that's something that's worth celebrating which is why it's the headliner for today's show which is why people are writing about it because it should be celebrated we live in a world that's very bleak sometimes you know we live in a world where there isn't a lot of good on the surface occasionally You understand what I'm saying. Not that there is no good, but man, sometimes it's hard to find. To be able to celebrate stuff like this, where we are all collectively coming together to help kids in hospitals get better and live better lives, that's amazing. And that's something that is absolutely phenomenal, especially for the gaming community, but in any community whatsoever. So again, Bungie raising 400K, amazing, Dr. Lupo with 920K, amazing. On top of that, collectively, across the board, over $3.7 million raised for the children of St. Jude. That is an incredible, incredible number. But moving on to the next topic of the day, Crash Team Racing puts the Bandicoot back at number one on the UK charts. Having dominated the charts for the past two summers, Activision is aiming for a hat-trick with the chart-topping debut of Crash Team Racing Nitro-Fueled. The revamped racing game launched at number one and enjoyed the second-highest Week 1 sales in history of the franchise, the record holder, of course, being the Insane Trilogy. It is actually the third-best launch of the year so far, behind Sony's Days Gone and another remake, Resident Evil 2. It outsold the next biggest game of the week, FIFA 19, by almost eight times as many copies. Crash Team Racing also far outsold rival titled Team Sonic Racing, with more than four times as many copies sold in week one. Interestingly, the audiences differed somewhat. 66% of Crash buyers are on PS4, while only 40% of Sonic's customers were on Sony's console. However, Switch made up 39% of Team Sonic's Racing launch sales, but only 16% of crashes. Activision's Racer was one of only two releases that made it to the top 40 this week, with Bloodstained Ritual of the Night debuting at number 17. Most titles saw a drop in sales week on week, ranging from as little as 16% for Mario Kart to as high as 64% for Days Gone. The only game that saw a lift in sales was Tom Clancy's The Division 2 up 15% this week. And of course, that is a pretty impressive figure to have for Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled sitting at number 1 on top of games like FIFA 19. Coming in at number 2, Forza Horizon 4 at 3, Days Gone at 4, Red Dead Redemption 2 sitting at number 5, Battlefield 5, shockingly up there on the list at number 6, GTA 5 at 7, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe at 8, The Division 2 at 9, and amazingly, somehow hanging on by a thread, Anthem at number 10. That is pretty incredible that that game is still hanging on at number 10. Uh, But I will say, number one, I've been watching a lot of Crash Team Racing during my time at work, and I will say... It's a very good looking remake of a game, it really truly does stay true to what it is at its core, but at the same time, it does put that fresh coat of paint on, it does update uh, just the things that need to be updated to make it a game that does well on PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch, and overall, fantastic job from Activision and the team behind the scenes, but I will say... I think this number one debut is quite frankly because we are in the dead of summer. We are in that period of the year where there aren't too many big, big, big games coming out, and the ones that do come out tend to be kind of a middle-of-the-road release, and then they'll do better further down the line towards the fall whenever a price cut comes, or a, uh, you know, various version with a full DLC lineup is released, something along those lines. The summer is a strange time for video game releases, but it always has been, and it more than likely always will be. Now, of course, that's changed in the past few years because you never would have seen Crash Team Racing uh, coming out at the beginning of summer. That seems like more, for me, of a fall release, something leading up to the holiday season. But now you see these releases coming out throughout the year. I mean, for example, one of the other shows that I do, The Drop, where I go over the hottest releases of the week across every console and PC, Uh, whenever I first started doing that about four years ago, which is insane that it's been that long... uh, I didn't have that many releases over the summer, and so it was mainly indie-focused. That was pretty much how I did the show. Now, I've still got releases coming out every single week uh, that are brand new, that are coming out that are big, big releases in the grand scheme of things, such as Crash Team Racing. But if you did want to pick it up looking good right now, and of course, not shocking to see most of the sales on PS4, because in many people's minds, including my own, Crash is always going to be associated with the PlayStation you know, intellectual property slash hardware lineup. Uh, because of the fact that it was for so long. that just is simply what it comes down to. Uh, but if you do want to pick it up again, the game is out now on PS4, Xbox One, and the Nintendo Switch, coming to PC later in the year, if I do remember correctly. But let's move on and talk about some esports, shall we? Because Blizzard's global esports director has quit amid turmoil. It's the second big departure in as many months. That is a very big, big loss. Blizzard's esports team just lost another major leader. Global esports director Kim Fan has left Blizzard to pursue a new endeavor in the gaming industry. The veteran didn't harbor ill will against Blizzard in her farewell post. She plans to attend BlizzCon as a fan, but the move came just under a month after Overwatch League commissioner Nate Nanzer left for Epic Games. It is not clear who is filling Fan's old role. This does not necessarily mean that Blizzard's eSports endeavors are in further trouble. However, things clearly have not gone as well as they could in recent months. On top of the departures of FAN and Anzer, there have been rumors of low morale and additional resignations. The company also scuttled Heroes of the Storm eSports plans in December, and stability is not Blizzard's strong suit at the moment, even if efforts like the Overwatch League continue to draw in large crowd. Uh, so we have yet another big departure that does show, I think, a bit of a peek behind the curtain, so to speak, of what's happening with Blizzard esports. Now, I will say, I want to make it very clear, we are focusing specifically in this story on the esports side of Blizzard. Esports as an entire industry is a bit different right now, because it is still growing, the crowds are still there, and people still certainly care about esports, but it does feel like there might be a bit of a a crack in the levee, so to speak, it does feel like the inevitable rise is also followed by an inevitable fall that's pretty much the way that i'm kind of feeling the esports community as it stands today that's not saying it's failing at all, but I think we have hit a specific point in which we have either t- t- topped out, I guess is the is the best way to put it, or we have reached a point in which there's going to be slower growth, followed by perhaps a period of bigger growth whenever the next big game comes out or something along those lines. However, when it comes to Blizzard esports, this is a weird time for Blizzard as a whole. I think that's the biggest thing to take home from this specific story. It might not necessarily be their esports initiative, but considering all of the negative press they've gotten, considering what's happening right now with WoW Classic, uh, considering what's been going on with the Overwatch League and with Diablo and with Diablo Immortal specifically, all of these elements, although they are technically separated because it's not all connected to esports, they're all intertwined because it still affects Blizzard as a whole. When you see Blizzard, you don't just think about Blizzard Esports or Overwatch or World of Warcraft. Many people think about this as a collective, and so negative press leads to a bit of a negative outcome, which is what I think we have here. Now, of course, Overwatch League, huge, one of the biggest esports, I guess, leagues in the entire world, one of the biggest esports organizations, uh, whatever you want to call it, that's a big part of modern esports as it stands today, and it's a big part of why Overwatch has maintained its popularity over the years that it has been out. Uh, but on top of that, you have a lot of potential for esports within Blizzard's catalog and within Blizzard's lineup, but it has to be handled appropriately. And to be able to have people at the helm uh, that can drive esports at Blizzard into The future that's a pretty important element of success and so if she doesn't want to be there then she doesn't want to be there and if she has other plans then by all means that is a fine choice to make for your own life and for the company overall so of course best of luck to kim fan who is leaving blizzard to pursue a new endeavor in the video game industry Always an exciting time when you pursue a brand new endeavor, but best of luck to the guys over at Blizzard for finding somebody that can fill that role, because that is a very difficult role to fill, however, I'm sure they will find a qualified individual but let's move on to talk more about Bungie. Of course, we just talked about Guardian Khan at the beginning of today's show, but now we talk about Destiny 2 fixes that have been delayed to preserve the work-life balance of the team. Bungie has pushed back plans to nerf D2's overpowered Lord of Wolves shotgun in order to preserve work-life balance for the development team. In an attempt to address prior balancing issues, a tweak to the Lord of Wolves has instead inadvertently made it a deadly weapon in competitive PvP multiplayer. Acknowledging the issue in a recent Bungie update, creative director Luke Smith admitted the most recent changes to Lord of Wolves created a monster, and the team is looking to reduce the damage resistance later this year. Right now, however, the issue didn't rise up to meet the bar of this is broken enough to turn it off in all activities. Sometimes, Destiny is going to have goofy outliers, or periods of time where something is OP, like the wolves howling right now in IB on PC, Smith said. We don't want these periods to last too long, post Forsaken launch Voidlock but they can be memorable moments. Internally, we had a bunch of spirited debate this week around whether or not we should just prevent players from equipping Lord of Wolves throughout the game. This is a blunt tool and basically banning an item from being equipped isn't something we take lightly. As reported by Polygon, Smith said in a GuardianCon 2019 charity stream that instead, the studio has opted to fold the fix into its upcoming schedule in order to avoid developers having to put in super long hours to fix it now. We are having the conversation about is it worth doing that or is it better to preserve the work-life balance and ship it later in July, Smith said. To ask a team to do that back-to-back, full disclosure is not a thing we want to do. We try to be really careful about stuff like that. And, of course, there is more Destiny news, such as it coming to Stadia, uh, such as what's happening with the new releases of Shadowkeep coming in the fall. And, of course, New Light, the free-to-play version of Destiny 2 that gives you a bit of a taste, a bit of a, a gateway drug into buying the entire game itself. But, Bungie postponing for quality of life for the team. The main reason I wanted to talk about this is not because of the Lord of Wolf Shotgun. It's not because of the balance issues in Destiny 2, because every game has... Any kind of balance issues that's just something that's the nature of a competitive pvp slash pve game what i want to talk about is that there is no way this quality of life balance would have happened if Activision was still in control of Destiny 2. Let's make that very clear. I want to highlight the fact that now that Bungie is self-publishing both Destiny 2 and its future games and future releases and future DLC and expansions, all of that stuff, they now have the freedom to do what they feel is best for not only the game and not only for the Destiny community, but also for their entire development team. That is a significant amount of power to have because that creates a better game in the long run to work Countless overtime hours to fix a shotgun in a game. It's not worth it when it comes down to it. It truly is not worth it. And so to be able to see the team not only make a game better and better week after week, month after month, to see that is one thing. To see them actually doing it with a positive outcome in their own lives, that completely changes the game and adds a new element of pride uh, to the team that I just. I'm a big fan of that. You know, whenever somebody can balance a work life kind of kind of structure in their own lives, that's something that I feel everybody should be able to hit, but not often is hit in today's industry, especially the gaming industry. But hopefully, the shotgun will be fixed towards the end of July. Of course, a lot of people diving into Destiny 2 as it stands today because, again, a lot of new content coming in the fall. A lot of people diving in right now with Forsaken uh, to kind of get a feel for the game, to get caught up, etc. So they are ready whenever the full release of Shadowkeep does come out later this year. That is going to be a big time for Destiny fans and, of course, for fans of the MMORPG action kind of setup because the game itself is a very complex beast that I feel like, has been struggling with identity for a while but now we're finally getting in the right direction but let's move on and talk about mixer because microsoft lays off original content team members ouch that sucks microsoft looks to have laid off a number of employees working at the company's original content creation side as employers are excuse me employees are reporting they have been let go or had their contracts ended by the company now, former Microsoft producer Cade Yeager tweeted a video indicating a portion of Mixer's content staff has been laid off. Along with hosting various live streams as a Twitch competitor, Mixer also hosts original shows on the platform, including Tips and Tricks and This Week in Esports, the latter of which had aired an episode as recently as June the 20th. It is unclear whether the layoffs are part of an overall move away from original content on Microsoft's part, or if the company plans to replace the employees either with new talent or with already proven content streamers. And of course, Game Informer reached out to Microsoft Microsoft regarding the layoffs and will update the story as they hear back, but no update has been made as of yet. And so we have Mixer being the main competitor, in my mind, to Twitch. Of course, pretty much the streaming side of the gaming industry has been blowing up and growing by leaps and bounds year over year. Twitch, of course, is the king as it stands and will likely always be the king of streaming. YouTube has YouTube Gaming that has now been folded back into the main YouTube site. Then you have stuff like Facebook Gaming getting into the mix. And, of course, Microsoft's Mixer, which is integrated directly into the Xbox dashboard, which is one of the biggest draws of the site itself if you did want the stream and so that's pretty much the landscape you've got right here but one of the biggest things that mixer brings to the table is the amount of original content that the team actually pumps out because make no mistake they have a lot of original content of course it's kind of a running joke in the community because i streamed on mixer for a good long while and by a good long while i mean a couple of months i gave it a shot but During that time, I did begin to watch some streams on Mixer that I do tend to go back to. And so you see these in-house productions from Microsoft, such as Tips and Tricks, such as uh, The Blue Show, The Green Show, The Red Show, which are all PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo specific. You have all these pieces of original content that are not cheap to make. There are studios. There are uh, lighting and and equipment teams that are there to ensure that everything looks as professional as possible. Uh, It's like Twitch Weekly, but basically every day. That's a lot of cash. And so whenever you have a community that is beginning to grow and whenever you have content creators that are beginning to put on uh, content that is similar to that specific level of quality, then you might end up shifting away from paying a team to do this and more towards the community. And that's kind of the running uh, assumption for me is that you have maybe a shift towards more of the streamers instead of the original content creators that are hired in-house that could be a potential uh, outcome here i'm not really sure exactly what's happening here but of course we all know mixer is not as popular as twitch as it stands today it has been growing but not at the rate that is required for an entire team of dedicated staff members to be on various shows throughout the week, and so I think that's pretty much where we find ourselves here. Now, just because these layoffs are happening, that does not mean in any kind of way, shape, or form that the teams behind the scenes of Mixer are not talented, because this content they pump out is some of the most impressive content that I have seen uh, from a company when it comes to live streaming quality productions. I mean, it truly is an incredible amount of content. In fact, a lot of the stuff they do, in my mind, uh, reminds me of kind of the G4-esque shows that I watched back in the day at growing up as a kid. And that might be part of the reason why I like it so much. Of course, it is skewed towards the, uh, the gaming news and, of course, the gaming culture and esports and stuff along those lines. But when it comes to the original content, it does remind me of tech TV. It does remind me of these shows. And, of course, the cast have personalities. They're incredible people that do some really, really impressive work. And so to see them, at least some of them, out of a job. That is a very unfortunate story to read. But at the same time, companies grow and evolve. The initiatives begin to shift. The goals begin to move. It may not always be the way things have always been, but change is part of growth. And so hopefully things will work out for Mixer and, of course, those behind the scenes that have been let go this week. However, let's move on and talk about Fortnite because Fortnite Season 10 will require Direct X. excuse me, Direct11X, X11. Wow, I'm a I'm a PC professional. Let's start over. Fortnite season 10 will require direct X11 graphics cards, says Epic Games. Luckily, this will affect only a small number of players. One of the advantages of Fortnite is the minimal amount of computer power needed to play the game. As Fortnite Season 10 approaches, developer Epic Games gave a heads up that players will need to have a proper graphics card to play the game. Fortnite Season 10 will require a DirectX 11 graphics card, according to a blog post from Epic on Friday. The company explained it previously supported DirectX 10 cards, even though the game's PC requirements say DirectX 11 is required, but that will change with the new season. Fortunately, for many players, this change will not affect them. DirectX is Microsoft's collection of application programming interfaces (API) for gamers running on Windows, and the 11th iteration of the software came out back in 2009. Most computers sold in the past several years have graphics cards supporting DirectX 11 and the latest version of the API, DirectX 12, that came out in 2015. Fortnite Season 10 is just weeks away, and of course, who knows what it very well could entail. I suppose you won't if you're running a Direct X 11 graphics card, but again, 2009 was the end of that lineup, so hopefully you've upgraded from there. But of course, I do know that many people run on low-end PCs, which again, nothing wrong with that, very affordable, a very reasonable way to get your game on, and so, if you do have a Direct X 10 graphics card, you should probably up that ante. Literally buy any card released in the last 10 years, you should be good to go. The game probably didn't look that great when you were playing to begin with anyway, so hey, you can take that into consideration. But you know who doesn't have to worry about any of this? Jeff Goldblum, because Jeff Goldblum has never played a video game in his entire life. That's right, let's reiterate, just one more time for clarity, Jeff Goldblum has never played a video game in his entire life. Jeff Goldblum has acted in five separate video games, but he has never played one. Goldblum, who is beloved for being a tall and bit weird and extremely open individual, is at the 2019 Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity right now and has spoken on his experience recording voices for games. As reported by Page Six, the 66-year-old actor reported that not only has he never played the games he is in, he has never played any games at all. Goldblum voiced Dracula in Goosebumps Escape from Horrorland 1996 and is credited for the game's adaptation of Independence Day and Jurassic Park Chaos Island, both in 1997. We imagine these were voice clips taken from the films. Years down the track, he played Nero in Call of Duty Black Ops 3's Zombie Mode and reprised the role of Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park Evolution. I know nothing about gaming even though I've been the voices for, what was it called? Call of Duty Black Ops, I think? Goldblum reportedly told the crowd, He reminisced about playing Malcolm again before saying, I've never, in fact, played a video game in my life. So there you have it. Goldblum's a great actor. If you've seen him in Cronenberg's The Fly, rectify that. But he will never beat you in Mario Kart. And so Jeff Goldblum, although he is an internet sensation, although he is a worldwide star, he has never played a video game, which to be fair to each their own, totally understandable. But at the same time, what a legend, number one, uh, regardless of gaming habits, number two, Get this man a video game. Get get him something. I mean, even if it is just Tetris. I feel like he's a Tetris man. He looks like a Tetris man. I mean, have you seen how he dresses? That's a Tetris outfit. But regardless, that rounds out today's lineup of the top gaming news of the day of course if you are brand new to the show it's hosted live five days a week on TV slash samueladams if you did want to stop by and check out the hottest gaming news of the day but then the show is taken down and put up on youtube.com slash Adams media as well as podcast services around the world clips are put up on instagram.com slash Adams media but don't worry just follow on twitter.com slash pretty chill guy did you get all that I bet you got all that. If you didn't, it's in the description box down below. But until tomorrow, you guys have a phenomenal rest of your Monday, a good start to the week, and peace.